Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to installment number four in this series, Portal, the portal into his presence. And, you know, I know you're the kind of thing, well, let's get on with it. Let's get talking about these portals. Well, we're going to, but it's absolutely essential that we establish some of the foundational realities of God's Word. You know, one of the things I've discovered is when people even believe the right thing or the thing that God has said, Many times they don't have a foundation of why it's true. I'll give you a good example of this right now. I think there's a great revelation sweeping across planet Earth about the fact that God is good. He's way better than religion has ever said that he was. And so uh, that's great, and many people are turning to God. But one of the problems is going to be if they don't understand the foundation that upholds that truth, if they don't understand you know, how do we know God is good? In what ways are God is good? Are, is there any prerequisite on God being good? In other words, if we don't understand the foundation, even when we believe the truth, it can become very easy for us to cast that truth aside because we haven't built our house, which always represents our heart. We haven't built our heart on the rock. We've built our heart on the sand. And so anytime I teach anything, you know, you guys know, if you follow me for very long, I always lay a foundation because if you get the foundation, you get it. If you get the foundation, you become immovable. If you get the foundation of, of why God is good and the proof that God is good and where he shows us his goodness uh, and how he qualifies you for that goodness through the Lord Jesus, you become immovable. It doesn't matter what happens. You're not going to start questioning God. You're not going to start wavering. Now, this message today, we're, we're talking about hath God said. That's where the King James says it. For some of you that have never read the King James, uh, this title could have been, Did God Really Say? Now, I want you to understand something. In the very first challenge that Satan ever brought to the human race, he did not start that challenge by accusing God of being a, rel- a liar. He didn't, he didn't start that challenging by saying, you could not trust God. It's almost like he doesn't want you to question God first. He wants you to question you first. And there's a reason for that. I don't know if I have time to go into it today. But, you know, uh, for, for a number of years when I traveled all over the world, one of the questions I would often ask a congregation, I said, let me ask you something. The last time God spoke to you to do something and you didn't do it, did you do it because you didn't think you could trust God, or did you do it because you didn't think you could trust yourself? Overwhelmingly, the answer was always, I, I really didn't think I could trust myself. I didn't think that I would actually follow through because I tend to quit pretty easy. I tend to give up if the going, if the going gets hard. So you see, if we can be led into questioning ourselves, then the real truth is uh, the issue uh, that, that occurs is, is our ignorance about God or lack of knowledge about God 
based on a faulty sense of self, a faulty sense of awareness, actually will bring us to a place to where we're really not sure what God said because we don't trust ourselves. On the other hand, the person that reads the Word of God, I'm not talking about legalistic, I'm talking about where you're reading it, you're seeking to walk and harmonize your life with God, and the person that lives in a life of prayer and becomes accustomed to recognizing God's voice, that person is always absolutely confident when they have heard God. And by the way, I'm going to just throw this in as a little freebie. You know, for the first probably eight or 10 years that, uh, I, that I was walking with God, I very stringently uh, checked the fruit of everything that, that, that I believed that I thought was God speaking to me. And, and, and I'm not one of these people that run around saying, yay, thus saith the Lord. I don't do that very much. I think that's reckless. I think that's irresponsible. And most of the time I've seen it be wrong, probably. But uh, you know, one of the things I would do, if I felt very strong that God was leading me to do something, and if I followed that path, and if it fell apart, then I would get into my heart zone. I would, I would, I would begin to uh, meditate on the Word of God. I would begin to ponder. I would think back to the time that I thought I heard the Lord. And, uh, and you'll, you learn how to do this when you, when you actually deal with your heart very much. You can go back and you can watch a memory almost like you're watching a movie, and you can tell every emotion that was driving you when you made certain decisions. And so over the years when I was wrong, rather than defend it, rather than blame it on the devil, rather than blame it on my enemies, you know, rather than get super introspective and beat myself up, I'll just go back and say, okay, what emotion drove me in making this decision? So over the years, I started to recognize when I feel this way, this doesn't mean it's God. This doesn't mean that God is really leading me in this situation. And, and you know, we can learn. We can learn the language of God. We can learn to hear God with our heart with absolute certainty and, uh, and always know that when we're making a decision based on hearing the word of God, we know it, it's going to absolutely be a good decision. So when Satan shows up, he does not show up and directly uh, attack God. Satan shows up and, and says, has God said that you cannot eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So really, the question that he's asking, by the way, that, that word said there, the root word in the Hebrew is the aman. Now, this is the word for said that God used when he spoke all of creation into existence. Now, this word for said is different than other Hebrew words for saying or speaking, because there are Hebrew words uh, that are translated to say or to speak, and those words are more about the words that are spoken. In other words, it's, it's just the act of speaking. But this particular Hebrew word for speaking uh, actually emphasizes more that God had an intention, that he conceived that intention in his heart. And when he spoke it, he spoke it with the intention that it would come about exactly as he conceived it in his heart and that it would fulfill the intention or the goal that he spoke. And so many times he would say, you know, then he saw the lot that it was good. And then he saw this and saw that it was good. Well, that word good in the Hebrew language not only means to be pleasing, to be desirable, to be enjoyable, and all those types of things, but the word good, almost any time you see it in the Old Testament, actually uh, 
presents the concept of being in harmony. So when he spoke the word and it created what he spoke, he saw that it was in harmony with his intentions. Now you say, well, well, why is that important here? Because you see, Satan is not really saying, did God say this? It's more like, is this really what he intended? I mean, did, did God really intend for you to not have the ability to, to get knowledge for you? Is that, what, is that what God really, really meant? I want to tell you something. That's the challenge that almost all of us face more than anything. People read the Bible, and then afterwards, they say, well, I wonder if that's what God really meant. Well, let me just say this. Jesus was the Word of God made flesh. And anytime you're not sure what the word really meant, you have to look at his life, his teaching, his ministry, and then ultimately the covenant that he made with God in our behalf. And, and if it's not in harmony, if it's, not, if it's good, it's going to be in harmony with what he taught. It's going to be in harmony with how he treated people. It's going to be in harmony with how he taught. And so it's, it's never hard to go back and look at Jesus and understand what God's true intentions were. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that when we get born again, God writes all the law and all the commandments on our heart. Now, it's amazing how many people today claim that the law and the commandments are evil and they're wicked and they're, you know, they're bondage and all this kind of stuff. But interesting thing in the, in the Greek language in the book of Hebrews for the scripture is, it's more than just the fact that he spoke his word or wrote his word on our heart. He wrote his word with all that he intended and all that he implied. And then he gave us the life of Jesus in the Gospels to look at it and make sure that what we're sensing in our heart, we can look at Jesus' life. And in Jesus, we can say, okay, yes, this is exactly what God intended. So, so it starts out, see, see, if you can question somebody's intention, then you can start yourself on a journey that eventually breaks down everything that they have said and twists everything that they said to mean something else. So, so uh, this is what's really interesting about this. In the New Testament, there is there, there are several Greek words that we would translate as sin or transgression or you know that sort of thing. And uh, so out of all of these words for sin, there's a very interesting word that means to hear amiss. Now, to hear amiss has several connotations to it, but to hear amiss means to hear something, not pay attention to it. To hear amiss might mean to, that, that God speaks to you and you really, you, know, you really don't think about what that looks like in application. It's, it's all about being irresponsible with the word of God. Now, we have to understand we have the written word of God. And the truth is everything I know about uh, uh, the Greek and the Hebrew language, everything I know that you can obviously see in the scriptures and the English language indicates that, that we will never in, enter into a place of intimacy where God takes us into a deeper understanding of the word until we accept and pay attention to the word that we already have, the written word, the revealed knowledge of God. Now, the issue there is not that God's not willing to show us. The issue is I, if I'm not responsible for what God has given me plainly in writing, I will never be responsible for that which he speaks into my heart. I will never pay attention to it. I will always be questioning myself and all those kinds of things. So in here, when he says this, it's really interesting. Now, when you uh, we're translating from the Hebrew. 
One of the things that you come to realize is that every Hebrew word has a root word that's usually three letters. And every one of those letters has its own, uh, its own definition. And you don't really understand the message that's being conveyed in that word just because you, you get the general contextual uh, uh, interpretation of that word. You have to bring in all of these root words. Secondly, uh, every Hebrew letter has what they call a light side, a dark side. Now, the, the, there is a dark side. And so anything, anything that can help you, you can misuse it in a way that destroys you. So that word said, Amar, the root word is Aleph, Mem, and Resh. And let me say this. Every Hebrew root word is a verb, which means that beliefs always lead to actions. And all of our actions are based on beliefs. And if we don't deal with our beliefs, if we don't deal with our heart, we will keep repeating the same actions, thinking that we're going to make some kind of difference in our lives, and we, we really won't. But I want, to, I want to show you the dark side of this word, amar. Uh, the aleph, which uh, is the first letter in this word, means to error, but it's really interesting. It's not just going into error, but you're going into error because of how you feel about yourself. In other words, you have a sense of worthlessness. You have a sense of having no value. You know, one of the things I have taught our Bible college students and, and our ministerial association people for, for decades is that all temptation begins with a feeling of lack or inadequacy or unworthiness, some of, some of those types of feelings. And so when you feel lack, when you feel unworthy, when you feel inadequate, then you feel like you make a judgment that God is judging you and God is rejecting you when in fact he's not. If you're in Jesus, you may have sins you got to work out. You may have destructive behaviors you need to work through, but God is not rejecting you. So, so the, the, this root word starts out with the fact that somehow, and I have I have quite a, really a very simple theory about this. You know, Adam and Eve, they were, they were not robots. They could think for themselves. They can make decisions for themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to commit sin. And so, you know, I can just very often imagine, you know, Adam not making a decision until he checked in with God. Maybe Eve would get mad at him and say, look, we're creating God's likeness. You make the decision yourself. You don't need to, you don't need to check in with God. You know, you don't need to check in with him about everything that we do. And I'm not trying to lay this all off on the woman, by the way. I'm just using this as a as an example. There's a lot of ways where you get to where you start second guessing yourself. But now I want you to understand something. This hearing amiss. See, you can only hear God and understand his intention if you know him, if you know his character. If you don't know his character or you don't trust his character or you start questioning his character, which is where Lucifer goes next. I'm not going to go through this whole temptation with you, but ultimately, you know, Lucifer starts out saying, is that what God really said? And then he comes down to basically implying that God is not trustworthy and that God is not a good God. And, and so you need to you need to start making your own decisions. I'm going to show you how to have everything that God has promised you, but you don't have to put up with all of his all of his stuff. Well, the mem, the mem is an interesting word because uh, the mem gets into, it, it's a picture of water. It's where we get the M sound and the top of it looks like the wave of water. And so water is deep, water is mysterious, but also water can get into a concept 
uh, of going to a place where where you're not stable. It's going to a place to where to where how the water is moving you and affecting you is controlling you. So the mem gets into the concept of, of whether or not our emotions are actually balanced. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I, I've been in ministry 49 years, and I am telling you right now, the great majority of struggles that everyone who is a believer that I've ever counseled with, that I have to deal with, is the fact that they will give up the Word of God for their emotions. People will believe their emotions, their feelings, way before they'll believe the Word of God. They will reject the Word of God. They will transgress the Word of God. They will put themselves in harm's way because they trust their emotions more than they trust God. And these emotions many times are, are the result of kind of being drowning in the water, if you know what I mean. Now, the resh is the letter from which we get the word repentance. And, um, you know, repentance can be a really, really healthy thing because true repentance always just says, you know, this is what I think, this is what I believe, but this is what God says. So, so I'm not just changing my mind. I'm turning into God and saying, I'm going to rely on you. You know, many people ask, well, well, why did God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in there? And, and, and you know, and I, they ask a lot of meaning, meaningless questions. Well, here's an interesting thing. God did not hold uh, knowledge from Adam and Eve. He just wanted them to get their knowledge from him, not from another source. And so uh, in order to be free, and remember, God can't violate your will. God will not force you to do anything. He always leaves you with a freedom of choice. And the only way you could have a freedom of choice, if there was a choice, and the choice wasn't to have the knowledge of good and evil or not have it. The choice was, where would I go to get this type of understanding? Will I go to God or will I trust myself? Will I, will I trust my judgments and my opinions about what's good and evil? You know, the interesting thing about this is that the words good and evil, we have kind of minimized those words down to the whole concept of being right or wrong. And uh, right or wrong in and of itself is not necessarily a destructive thing. We have the ability to learn that one thing's right and another thing's wrong. We've talked a little bit about this already, I think. But, but you have to realize this. Good is about whether or not I'm in harmony with God. Evil is about whether or not this is bringing chaos and separation uh, from me and, and God in our relationship. Now, don't jump in there whether, about what you believe about, you know, eternal security. We're not talking about that. We're talking about relationship things. And so we look at things and we think because they'll bring us pleasure that they're good. You know, this will help us. This will help us connect with God because our life is going to be good. Well, the real truth is, uh, you know, Eve and Adam made this decision about partaking of this fruit totally based on the lust of the flesh. They said, look, it, man, it's desirable to the eyes. It, you know, it, it, will, it will make one wise and, you know, it's, and it's going to taste good, you know, probably. And so they gave into the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this decision that they made was totally based on gratifying the lust of the flesh, had nothing to do with will this keep us in harmony with God. It actually was saying, we're going to have a way to get everything we want without having to mess with God so much and without having to listen to him so much, because he's probably not as good as 
we have believed that he is. We can't, we can't really trust him. By the way, let me just mention this before I get too much farther along in this message. Uh, don't forget, I have uh, a six-message series, uh, audio series that you can download right now. And I always create an, an audio series that people who want to dive deeper can get it and take this journey into more application and discipleship, not legalism, but application and discipleship. So if you want to dive deeper uh, tonight, as soon as you get through listening to this, be sure and uh, go to our website, jimrichards.com or impactministries.com or excuse me, drjimrichards.com. All right. So let's go back to this. So one of the things that I am seeing right now, and you know, so far in this thing, we're, we're going to get into portals, but First, we've got to have some kind of an understanding about, number one, God is good or is not good. You know, you know, Jesus said one place, he said, look, either make the tree good and the fruit good or the, or, or the tree bad and the tree, fruit bad. You can't say that God is bad and he brings forth good fruit. You can't say that God is good and he brings forth a bad fruit. And so you got to make up a decision. Either God is good all the time or he is not good any of the time. Because, because if he's not good all the time, then he's going to be deceiving you. And you are not going to be happy with, with how this comes out. Also, we need to come into the concept of faith. Faith is not trying to believe to get God to do something. There's nothing left for God to do, you know, other than on a personal level to encourage us through the Holy Spirit, to minister to us, to manifest grace and, and strength in our hearts. And, you know, all of these things that happen give us wisdom of, of application. But as far as anything that God's got to do on a miraculous level or to make something work, it's all been done. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a finished work. There is nothing left to do. So the moment you start thinking that faith is what you're going to do to get God to do something, according to the Bible, you are in dead works. You are trying to manipulate God, and you call it faith, you call it prayer, whatever you call it, it really doesn't matter. Faith looks at what God has done, what God has said, and faith let me tell you something too. If you trust God, that's really all faith means. I trust what God says. Then, then what happens is you will dive in. You, you, you will not hear a miss. You will not be like you know Adam and Eve, where where you're susceptible to questioning. Well, what did God really mean by that? Man, I'll tell you what, I hear some crazy doctrine out there every single day. It's crazy, and it's even crazier that people fall for it and believe it. But the fact that they fall for it and believe it goes back to that very first sin of Adam and Eve that we know of, and that is they weren't really taking God seriously. They weren't paying attention to him. They weren't, they weren't going back. Saying, what does this look like in application? They weren't going to the Gospels and digging it out and saying, okay, how did Jesus apply this? We just wait until we're in trouble, and then we make up our own version of whatever God has as, as said to us. So there are many things that God said that because we don't go dive in deeper, we actually end up not really being able to operate faith in everything that God has said about a situation. You know, we talked about this last, last message, how that God has created an interactive universe. Now, here's the great thing. I don't have to understand an interactive universe. I don't have to really even understand how all of this works, but basically I know that everything was created by the Lord Jesus and through the Lord Jesus, he upholds and keeps everything flowing the way it's supposed to flow by the word of his power. So I know 
I know in that sense, as far as the, the physics of the universe, that Jesus is the author of the universe, but also that we know based on many examples of people operating in faith and many people operating in miracles, we know, and we now know scientifically because science is slowly catching up with the Bible, we actually understand that that uh, the, the universe responds to us at what we perceive, what we expect, what we believe, and even what we speak into it particularly with expectations, has a dramatic effect on this universe. And we talked about mountain moving faith and the fact that the fact that, you know, if I if I believe how God created the universe, and if I believe I have all authority, uh, just like he said I did when he created me, and if I believe Jesus' teaching in Mark uh, 11, then the real truth is I don't have to scientifically know all of these things about the universe, I just have to know that God said it's going to work when I follow this because I trust him, not because I just have faith in my faith. I'm not against that, but but it's about trusting what he has said. Now, one of the things that we realize, and I think I mentioned this to you already, is that we live in a multidimensional universe. Now, uh, NASA spent billions of dollars and only proved this just uh, uh, not that many years ago, but Mamadis, who was a 13th century theological scholar, actually found in the scripture uh, that there was a multi-universe, a multi-dimensional universe that has many as 10 dimensions. And we started realizing now through science with black holes and, and, and all of these things, you know, in, in the universe, or wormholes, all these kinds of things, we start realizing that there is a multidimensional universe out there. And evidently, at one time, man could move freely through these different dimensions. Now, keep in mind, and, and check Mr. Man that I, that I respect, you know, he says this very often. He says, the only thing that we, the only history of the world that we actually know is what happened after man became a sinner. And after man brought sin into the earth, and according to Mamadis, uh, uh, the universe was fractured, and man lost his awareness and his connection to six of the dimensions of the universe, and, and now we only move in actually four dimensions of the universe. Well, uh, all of these different dimensions in the universe, it seems that there were ways that man could move through these dimensions, that the way, ways that man could operate in higher dimensions. And this gets into the thing that I've been teaching for 30 years, and that is a miracle is not when we do something that can't be explained by the law of the physics. A miracle is when we do something because we trust what God says about the laws of physics, and we operate at a higher dimension uh, than actually the, these four dimensions that we are accustomed to. And so, and so when we look back in history, and I'm just going to touch on this because we don't have but just a few minutes. When we look back in history, we realize that all through history, there were actually physical places, physical locations that were in fact portals that created points of entry and exit into this dimension that we live in here on planet Earth. You know, the, the pyramids, they were really originally were not tombs. They were actually portals. Tower of Babel was a portal. 
the ziggurats that are the ziggurats that are found all over the world were portals and and these were how spirit beings crossed over and came into this world and had such credible effect now listen i'm not going to leave you here because i'm going to show you how how we have have the power to defeat anything that ever has crossed over and ever, anything that ever will cross over and i want you to know the biggest thing is that we live in in this universe and god has said all of these things but because we interpret everything he said religiously, we don't dig in and get what he really said. Because we're, and so we're always questioning what he really meant. Pray, open your eyes, open your heart, read the Bible. All right, guys, I'm going to be talking to you in our next message. Go back and listen to this a couple of times or be sure and download the series. And I'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.